I uh, wonder what thanksgiving means for people who don't have faith in God. Do you ever wonder what people who don't know Jesus really think of when they say thank you? I mean, to whom do they express thanksgiving? Having a living, loving God that we trust and know has created us, established us, placed us here on the earth, well, it just makes so much more sense to me to be able to express that to him. The expression is thank you, thank you, thank you. We say it often. Perhaps we should say it more often. This weekend, Thanksgiving is a time when we acknowledge the goodness and the greatness of our God. We pause to take inventory of the Lord's blessing and his loving kindness in our lives. You know, expressing thanksgiving to the Lord is appropriate for us as believers. And it acknowledges him as our source. It reminds us that we actually are not the ones who provide for ourselves. It, it is an expression, it is a confession of dependency on him. The Bible calls him Jehovah Jireh, my provider. And giving thanks to the Lord is a very biblical thing to do. The Bible describes for us, first of all, the fact that being thankful is, it's an attitude. Do you remember the account in Luke chapter 17 when Jesus was talking about the 10 men who had leprosy and he healed those 10 men and off they went to present themselves to the priest. One of the 10 came back and thanked Jesus for their healing. How about you and me? How often do we actively acknowledge and give the Lord credit and express thanksgiving to him? How often do we pause and say, Lord, that was truly a blessing. The big stuff, and how about the little things? I wonder if 10% is about the right ratio. I, I just wonder why only one in 10 came back to thank Jesus. I, I do think in general terms, that thankfulness is something of a rare commodity. Do we live with the conviction that God is good? Do we live with the expectation that our good God will help us at all times, in the good times and in the challenging times? You've heard the expression, gratitude is an attitude. Well, let's, let's live with that expectancy that he is actually as close as the mention of his name. As people of the Spirit, we are living with an awareness and the presence of God in and through us. He's not out there somewhere. He's right here with me in the midst of the circumstance I'm walking through today. Scripture also tells us that being thankful is very much a decision that we make. Paul writes in Philippians chapter 4, 
and verse 12, and he says, I've learned to be content, whatever the circumstance, whether in want or in need, whether well-fed or hungry. I have decided to be thankful and to be content. Paul then says this to Timothy, 1 Timothy 6.6, godliness with contentment is great gain. Amen. Contentment. It speaks of sufficiency. It speaks of our needs being met. It speaks of joy deep in our hearts. It speaks of a of an attitude of being, of being thankful and gratitude in our hearts. It speaks of a choice to be truly thankful. It's also God's will for you and I to be thankful today. Paul again, writing in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, said, Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Be joyful, be prayerful, be thankful. This is God's best. It's his will for you and for me. So, Thanksgiving blessings to you on this Thanksgiving weekend. And this morning, I would like to take you back to one of the most well-known and beloved chapters in all of the Bible. King David was an older man when he penned these words. And he was looking back over his lifetime. When he had been a young man, he'd been a shepherd and had tended to a flock of sheep. And now as an older man, he is reflecting and considering the blessings of the Lord over his lifetime. The older we get, the more we tend to do that kind of thing. David's looking back and he draws a parallel between the relationship that God has had with him and the relationship that he had with those sheep that he used to care for. And it's with that perspective in mind that he penned under the inspiration of the Spirit the words of the 23rd Psalm. I'd like you to stand with me this morning. You may have memorized the 23rd Psalm as a younger person or as an older person. You may have memorized it in the King James Version like I did once upon a time. But I'd like us to read this together. The words are there on the screen if you need them. They might also just be right there in your heart. Let's do it together, shall we? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Praise God.
You may be seated. Psalm 23 is plainly written, but it's also very profound. Notice with me as well how personal this is for David. As he uses personal pronouns 16 times in six short verses. Notice how he says this. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Friends, there's no question this is David's testimony to you and to me. He invites us to relate to this. He invites us to align with this. Notice with me David's personal testimony of thanksgiving to his God. First he says... Thank you, Lord, for your provision in my life. I shall not be in want. The Lord looks after me. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. A person who is in want is lacking something. They're, they're needing something. David testifies here of God's abundant provision. Thank God. There is no deficiency because the Lord is his shepherd. All he has ever known has been sufficiency. David is completely satisfied. He's filled with contentment. And what a wonderful thing for you and me to be able to acknowledge today as well. That it has been our testimony that the Lord has provided for us. We have this confidence that not only has he provided, but he will provide for the rest of our days. We don't need to live our lives worrying and fearful about what tomorrow may bring. We have a good God who's looking after us. Over the years... In our family, we've had a couple of little pet dogs. Any pet owners out there this morning? We are a special group of people. Even though currently we don't have any little animals in our home because they've all died. <laughs> However, over the years, we've had some pretty special little, little friends in our house. So the two little dogs I'm going to just reference here are Mitzi and Maisie. And uh, they were both schnoodles. A schnoodle is a mixture between a poodle and a schnauzer. Schnauzer and a poodle. And the poodle part is what gave those little dogs their hypoallergenic qualities. They didn't shed, they had real hair, like a poodle. The schnauzer part is what made those dogs really smart. Man, they were smart little dogs. I mean, you'd start saying something and talking to the dog. Well, I didn't talk to the dog. <laughs> like, not, not conversation with the dog, but you'd, you know, you'd make a remark or a comment, and that little dog would look right at me. It, they knew what we were saying. More than once, I would say, Maisie, you know, it's 8 o'clock. The first period's over. And she'd look at me and down the hall and into bed that dog would go. There's nothing like watching the second and third period in bed and that little dog could read my mind. The relationship that an owner has with a little pet animal like that. It's an illustration of the relationship David is trying to describe 
when he talks about the care, the loving kindness that the shepherd has for the little sheep. You see, sheep don't get to pick who the shepherd's going to be. And some shepherds are very kind and loving and considerate and gentle and nurturing. Others, not so much. But the sheep has to just endure its lot in life, whatever that may be. David makes it clear there are no wanting sheep in the Lord's care. Amen? Thank God that we belong to him. Thank God for his provision over us and his sufficiency. Here's the second thing David's thankful for. Thank you, Lord, for your guidance. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. At night, David, as a shepherd, would lead the sheep into a walled enclosure that provided protection with only one way in and one way back out. And he would lie down in the doorway. Anyone that wanted to get to the sheep, anyone or anything, would have to go through the shepherd first in order to get at those animals. Then in the morning, he would rise and he would lead the flock out into the fields for the day. There was a territory that a shepherd and the sheep would navigate. They didn't wander the world. They, they had fields that they navigated that they were somewhat familiar with. And the shepherd knew the best places for those sheep to eat. The shepherd knew the best places for those sheep to drink clean water. And the little lambs quickly learned that they needed to follow along with the other sheep and that following the shepherd was the best possible policy. He or she had the best interests of those little animals at heart. Even if they didn't always understand the decisions that the shepherd made, they learned that they could follow the shepherd. They learned that they could trust the shepherd. They learned that the shepherd was good. And this assurance of guidance, David says, his guidance in my life helped, helped to make the sheep calm and relaxed and happy. See, little animals, there's a sense of security when they trust and when they're at peace. And the shepherd had the ability, notice, to make the sheep lie down in green pastures. Think about that phrase with me. Think about the imagery of this. David is very specific in the words that he's using here. The shepherd doesn't suggest, you know, this might be a nice place to lie down if you don't mind. No, he makes the flock lie down. This is where you lie down. There's something in the sheep that makes them do it. It's a beautiful image for you and me in the midst of our hurried and worried lives that we live. You and I have the opportunity of resting in Him too. 
in the knowledge and the understanding that the Lord is actually in charge of that thing today. It's not too big for him. That problem is not the first problem that the God of the universe that we serve and who loves us can't solve. We have the potential, the option today of allowing him to be in charge. You and I are invited to submit our resignations over being in charge of our own lives and to let him lead us. Stop trying to figure it all out. Stop trying to fix everything all the time. Stop trying to do it all in our own strength. And surrender to his leadership. Surrender to his lordship. Surrender to his guidance. Surrender to his provision. King David over Israel, responsible for a nation with all of the issues and the people and the problems and the military and the economy and the list went on and on and on. David said, he makes me lie down in green pastures. What a blessing. What a benefit. My friend, there's someone here this morning that just needs to receive that truth. We serve a great God. He is the creator. He is the sustainer of all things. And he can handle it. He can deal with it. He can unravel it. He can fix it. David trusted in the Lord with all of his heart. Even though he had a wealth of earthly resources at his fingertips, his confidence and his trust was in his good God. There is no circumstance, there is no situation represented here today that is too tough for our Lord. And if you let it, that thing will rob you of your joy and keep you stressed and pressure-filled and even maybe afraid right through this long weekend. But you and I have an option today. The alternative is right here in the scriptures. The good shepherd wants to make you, my friend, lie down in a green pasture. It's the invitation of the scriptures. Give it to the shepherd. Receive his peace. David then, then says, he also leads me beside quiet waters. Where do the quiet waters run? I'll tell you where they don't run. They don't run up on the mountaintops. The water all runs down off the mountaintops and into the valleys. Valleys can be stressful. Valleys can be challenging. Valleys can be discouraging. We can be afraid when we're deep down in a valley somewhere. But folks, when we know that the Lord is in charge and that he is guiding us, that his guidance is perfect, that his knowledge is perfect, that his timing is perfect, if we really believe that he is leading us, then we get to have a peace that passes all understanding. It'll guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. My friend, give him the opportunity to demonstrate himself to you in the midst of this valley experience. He's leading you beside 
quiet waters give him opportunity. He has the capacity. Let him show you his loving kindness in the midst of all of this. Well, David continues. Look at the third thing he says. Thank you, Lord, for restoring my soul. It's a simple little statement, but it is packed with significance and meaning. If you just stop and think about David and David's life, the implications in him. Throughout his lifetime, David had made some serious mistakes. King David, God appointed, God anointed. But along the journey, he'd also turned his back on God and perfected the fine art of blowing it. Perhaps the most memorable thing he did was when off the rooftop of his palace, he looked upon Bathsheba. And uh, the scriptures explain to us how he essentially abused the authority he had as king over the nation. Had, a, had an affair with Bathsheba and then arranged for the murder of her loyal servant husband who was in the army fighting a battle that David should have been out there leading his army in. Not only did he have the affair with Bathsheba, but he led Uriah into the fight in a way that he would be killed. He murdered the man. God appointed, God anointed leader. And in Psalm 51, David cries out in his anguish after the prophet Nathan had confronted him with this sin. And David cries out in Psalm 51, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Here we are in the 23rd Psalm, years after that happened. As an older man now nearing the end of his life, King David is looking back and he tells us that the Lord has indeed restored his soul. David has acknowledged his sin. He's repented from the errors of his ways. And now he knows the fullness of the grace and the mercy of Almighty God in his life. Hallelujah. Thank God for his forgiveness of our sin. Thank God for the restoration of our relationship with him. Thank God for his mercy. Thank God for his amazing grace. It is abundant and available over and over and over again. Are you thankful? Say amen. Thank God for the joy that accompanies this salvation. You still with me? Number four. Thank you, Lord, for protecting me. Look at the fourth verse. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. David understood the importance of protecting the sheep. And by his own account, he had fought off lions and bears using the rod and the staff. When they had attacked the flock, he had jumped in in their defense. He had stood tall in the face of seemingly impossible odds. 
Goliath, the giant Philistine. David, with five smooth stones, stepped up and let him have it right between the eyes in the strength of the Lord. David testifies for us here in the 23rd Psalm that he has been able to trust in the Lord and fear no evil. Fear no evil. Doesn't say that he wasn't afraid, but he didn't fear evil. He knew that God was on his side. Notice that even death is not something that he's afraid of because David knows the Lord. And he lives with the wonderful assurance that death is just the shortest distance to heaven. What a wonderful blessing to live with that assurance and that we don't need to be afraid of death. David expresses thankfulness to the Lord for his protection all along the way. It has given him such great peace. Notice, even though I walk, walk, even though I walk, he's not panicking, he's not running, he's walking. Even though I walk through, he's not stopping, he's not lamenting, he's not capitulating. I'm walking one foot in front of the other and I'm walking through. What? The valley of the shadow of death, even if it's that bad, I am with confidence moving forward because he knows that he is following the Lord who is his shepherd. What a powerful contrast to the skittish nature of a sheep. And I'm no expert on sheep, but I'm told that if a dog happened to bark, sheep, which are quite dumb apparently, would just jump off a cliff. Well, that's the end of that one. Or a barking dog could send a whole herd stampeding off in another direction. David is not running. He's walking. He's walking through the valley. And the thing about a valley, if you haven't yet noticed this, is when you are walking through the valley, you always come up on higher ground on the other side. Do I speak to anyone this morning who is in a valley experience? Don't stop. Keep walking. One step at a time. Do I speak to anyone who has just come through a valley experience? You're going to find yourself on a little higher ground. You can look back and see what the Lord has brought you through. It's a wonderful way of building our faith and our confidence in God when we come through stuff. Thank God he brings us through. And we can look back and we can encourage others who may be coming through something very similar. The Lord protects his people. The Lord protects his people. Let us be truly thankful. 
thankful for the things we know about. And how about thankful for the things we don't know about? How about the things he spares us from and keeps us from that we never had to experience, that we never had to go through because of the sovereignty and the blessing and the protection of our God? Number five, thank you for giving me significance. You anoint my head with oil, David writes. My cup overflows. It's been a long time since 1 Samuel chapter 16 where Samuel the prophet had anointed David's head with oil, anointing him to be king over Israel. You can read that story back in 1 Samuel 16, how Samuel went to Jesse, who was the father of seven sons. Jesse presented the first six, and Samuel knew, no, there's... This isn't right. It's not one of these six. Where's the youngest one? In the culture, he was the least significant. Well, he's out with the sheep, actually. He's out in the back 40 somewhere. It's going to take a while, but we'll go get him if you really think that's important. You see, David is the one that the Lord had chosen for greatness. David is acknowledging God's anointing, God's appointment over his life, that God had a plan for him. He wasn't a random event. David was someone who mattered to God. God's anointing on his life transformed him from obscurity into significance. David mattered. You know, I suppose one of the most disturbing things for any one of us would be to pass from this life here on earth with the uh, understanding that we hadn't made any difference, had left no mark and no impact. How how upsetting would it be to, to live out the total of all of our days and to have accomplished absolutely nothing that mattered to anybody at all. To just be forgotten that life is meaningless. The fact that we were born, ah, insignificant. For many people who don't have faith in God, life is just like that. They deny the existence of a loving, genius creator. So life is a meaningless series of events with no purpose or reason behind them. They they believe that life bubbled up out of a puddle somewhere many years ago and that through the forces of evolution, life is now what it is. And humanity exists. They were just randomly born one day and they will randomly die one day. And everything and everyone in between those two dates is inconsequential. They believe that the blood coursing through their veins They believe that the thoughts in their minds, they believe that the love in their hearts is all just 
a function of evolution. Eternity, well, that's a myth. It's just oblivion when you die. There's just nothingness. Let me tell you something. People who believe that are people with great faith. They just have faith in nothing. But don't tell me they don't have faith. And I have little tolerance for them looking down their noses at us when we say, hold it a minute. <laughs> it's actually much easier for me to believe that a loving, genius God put us here on this planet with a purpose, with a reason that I am not a mistake. I am here with purpose and intention. I believe that God put me here and ordained every day before one of them came to be. We have been knit together in our mother's wombs with skills, gifts, and experience. My friend, you matter. David thanks God for significance his head has been anointed his cup, his life is overflowing with meaning and purpose when God touched his life he gave him meaning he received fulfillment and it would be through the lineage of David that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ would eventually be born of the Virgin Mary and come into this world to die for the sins of mankind. My friend, you are not a random occurrence who happens to be alive today and will die tomorrow and go off into obscurity. Aren't you thankful? We know the Lord. Every one of us is designed. We are created. We are knit together, fearfully and wonderfully made, as the psalmist writes. With intricate detail, intricate design, you are here for a reason. You have purpose. You have dignity in Christ Jesus. Friends, thank God for significance in Him. Finally, this morning, in the sixth verse, David says, And when it's all over, when I've come to the end of my days, thank you, Lord, for the hope of heaven. Here's the ultimate thing that you and I can also be thankful for. When we pass from this life, then as born-again children of God, we will receive the best thing of all. The Lord's goodness and love has been following us all the days of our lives, and that has merely been preparation for eternity with him. And with a thankful heart, David here acknowledges that he knows that he will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Eternity with him. Not nothingness, but a goal, a purpose, a plan. My friend, do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord, Savior, and Good Shepherd? Jesus loves you, and he died for you. 
And he makes so many wonderful things available to people who place their faith and trust in him. Should you, in fact, choose to believe in Jesus Christ as God's Son, our Savior, let me tell you what he'll do for you. First of all, he promises to meet every need in your life. It's David's testimony this morning. He will feed you. He will lead you. He will protect you. He also promises to lead you through the tough times. Becoming a Christian doesn't mean you'll never go through another valley. But when you do, he will be right there with you. Not watching you stumble and fall, but leading you through the experience, demonstrating his lordship, his goodness, and his capacity as a faithful, loving, good shepherd. And then the Lord guarantees that when your days on this earth are over, that you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Would you like that assurance? Would you like that comfort? Not only is he with us through this life, he takes us to be with him for all of eternity. You can make that decision this Thanksgiving weekend. Pastor Michelle will come in a minute and perhaps offer some explanation about what you can do if you're in that place of decision today. It's the best decision you could ever make. What a great thing to do on a Thanksgiving weekend just like this. Let me just conclude by reminding you that the scriptures are full of an invitation for us to rely on him. And I'm thinking this morning of people that are in a time of difficulty and distress. It's times like this that the Lord demonstrates his goodness to us. I know I'm getting old, however. Many years ago, Andre Crouch wrote a song. We still sing it today, through it all. He said, if I never had a problem, well, then I'd never know that God could solve them. I'd never know what faith in God could do. Anybody old enough to remember Andre Crouch? The chorus went, through it all. I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. And there's some folks here today who are learning something. And what you're going through is serious. It's difficult. It's complicated. It's amazing to me how sometimes situations take years to get so complicated, and they don't just get unraveled overnight. It takes time. But Solomon wrote in the Proverbs, chapter 3, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. And there's this encouragement to not lean on your own understanding. Solomon was king over Israel, Israel too. And he knew a thing or two. He was the wisest man to ever live. And he tells us, don't lean on what you know and don't know. Don't do it. Because when we do it, we worry. We conjure, we ponder, we think, we worry. Solomon said that is a mistake because you can trust in the Lord with all your heart and not do that. 
than Paul wrote in Philippians 4. I really think he was mindful of those verses from the Proverbs when Paul in a prison cell writes, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything with prayer and petition make your requests known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. We have it in the Old Testament. We have it in the New Testament. And folks, we need to live by those promises of the word. Trust in God. Give it to God today. Let go and let God. You've heard it. And receive the peace in your heart that surpasses all understanding. It is not an abdication of responsibility for people who are responsible to trust in God. You and I can't fix everything. And there are times when the Lord says, when you're done fiddling around, let me know. Because I can fix that thing. Give it to God today, my friend. Father, you know the hearts of every person here today. On this Thanksgiving weekend, we acknowledge you as our good shepherd. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for protecting us. Thank you for leading us. Thank you for showing us what you're capable of. Lord, may we learn our lessons well and grow in faith, in confidence in you. And for those in that place of decision today, bless them and encourage them and help them now as they take this huge step of faith to place their faith and confidence in you, Lord Jesus. And it's in your name, Lord Jesus, that we pray. And everyone said together, amen. Amen. amen.